What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. It's Chris Mania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, oh, with the powerful you. questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! What is going on? How are you? Thank you for being part of another audio adventure on the CVV show. Welcome back to most of you. Although I guess there are a few people that are listening for the very first time. So a very warm Chris Van Vliet welcome to you as you uh, walk your dog or you're on the treadmill, you're at the gym, maybe you're driving to work, maybe, maybe you're at work. That's always my favorite tweet to read when someone says, thank you for helping me get through my work day. These interviews are so helpful for that. So if you are at work right now or whatever you're doing, snap a screenshot, tag me, and uh, let me know what you think of this show. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, that's the place that I post my little teasers about who the next interview is going to be. I, most of the time, it's just a flat out like, hey, this is the person I'm interviewing next. Now, often, I'm like, hey, this is the person I'm interviewing next. And do you have any questions for someone like Ryan Satin? This is a really, really interesting and in-depth look with him on how wrestling news gets discovered and reported. I think you're going to love this one. Uh, now, if you could do me a favor, it'd be so helpful if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts if that happens to be the platform that you're listening on. It'll take you seven seconds to scroll down and just click the five stars. If you have an extra like 20 seconds in your day, on top of the seven seconds, maybe you could leave a review like Alexander Shedd did, the best possible wrestling podcast is what he titled this wow the amount of effort chris puts into is into these interviews is incomparable and the sound quality is fantastic he doesn't mind not agreeing chris knows his history and isn't afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions the fans want to know favorite wrestling podcast easily well that's my favorite comment at least of the week, Alexander. So thank you for that one. And please keep those reviews coming in as we head towards that specific goal of a thousand reviews on Apple Podcasts by the end of the year. We can do that. It'll be super easy. So if you're a wrestling fan, you know exactly who Ryan Satin is. He's the owner of ProWrestlingSheet.com. We dive into his news background. He's working for TMZ for many years, breaking some huge worldwide celebrity stories. And he told me why he wanted to branch out get specifically just into wrestling, and create his own site. We also get into where he gets his scoops from. 
and why he doesn't want to report on certain things. Uh, wrestling journalism to me, and I talk about it a little bit in this interview, but I think it needs to be put in air quotes sometimes. It's wrestling journalism because sometimes the stories are just reported on one site inaccurately and then cut and pasted and put onto other sites therefore spreading the inaccurate news. Ryan's goal here is to actually dig deep with his journalist background and try to get to the truth of these stories. Of course, you can't get them all right, and we do talk about the ones that he got wrong, but his idea here is that he wants to get them all right. He's a news junkie first. Even though he's a wrestling fan, he's a news junkie first, so that's the most important thing to him is getting it right. Instead of being first, being right which is often not always the case with all wrestling sites. So I think you're going to really enjoy this one. It's not just a deep dive into who Ryan Satin is, but it's a deep dive into how wrestling news is made. So please put your hands together for Mr. Ryan Satin. Okay, look at this studio setup. Look at wow. that, right? Yeah, I just borrowed Lillian Garcia's studio for her interview. Now uh, I'm borrowing your studio to do this. Hey, man, it's it's nice to have a professional setup at your disposal, you know? Are you trying to say, like, I should have one? Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it doesn't hurt to have one, you know? But, I mean, being a, a roving reporter also works as well. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go wherever. Exactly. That's, that's what I do. I think this is, like, for a lot of people, this is, like, the first time that people are seeing you. And I'm not, I don't mean that in a bad way. They see your name all yeah. the time. Yeah. They might see your avatar on Twitter, but... This is Ryan Satin, ladies and gentlemen. That's me. Or Damian Sandow, one or the <laughs> one other. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I hope people are seeing me more on backstage now. Yeah. Hopefully that gets That's more eyes on me. That's obviously changed things, yeah. yeah. And, and, and people definitely, you know, it's been a while, but I was on TMZ for a long time, too, so people got to know me there as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, but it's, yeah, definitely more of a, an internet name, I guess, now at this point. I, I don't know, though, if, if a lot of people link up like, oh, that's that's the guy from TMZ. Well, that's the thing, you know, when that's one of the reasons I started my website is, you know, a TMZ, they really, they don't want the people, and not in a bad way, but they don't want the people who are on the show to be personalities, sure. so to speak. And, and obviously some of them do become that. Um, like Van when he did the whole thing with Kanye West and stuff, but yeah. um, they really want the people who are in the office to um, not be personalities because they're commenting on famous people or whatever. So yeah. you know they don't say Ryan or this and that. It's like really, it's like that guy with the long hair or the guy who wears the wrestling shirts that, and stuff like yeah, that. That's why I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah. And that's how a lot of the fan, you know, fans started to know me. It was like the guy who wore the wrestling shirts yeah. on TMZ, and and then I started talking about wrestling stories and pushing wrestling, uh, you know, producing wrestling stories for the website and stuff. But people don't know that, you know, they just know me as like the guy who was wearing the wrestling shirts. And so, you know, when you're working somewhere for seven years, and people only see, you know a little, you know, an hour snippet of what you're doing in the day. Yeah. Um, they don't see all the work that you do on the website when, you know, you're a manager on the website and running the website on weekends and all that kind of stuff. So when I left TMZ, it was like, man, people don't know what I did at TMZ, really. They just know me as the guy who was wearing wrestling shirts, and I did a lot more than that. And yeah. so I started the website. One of the reasons was because I wanted to show people, like, here's what I can do. And, and so, the you know, the website was largely something to kind of show people like, hey, I'm a lot more than the guy who just wears the rest of the shirts. <laughs> well, I think people didn't realize when TMZ first came out, I don't think people realized that you guys were actually the writers and producers of the website. Yeah. I think people thought like, oh, the guy with the wrestling shirt, he's a good character to have on our TV show. Yeah. But then when people started putting it together like, oh, wow. I was actually blown away from a television perspective. Like, how do you find time 
to make the TV show <laughs> if you're also supposed to be like breaking news. Yeah, well, we started 6 a.m. So, well, when I would work there, they still do, but they start at 6 a.m. Uh, the show starts filming at like, I, I want to say 7 a.m. So, um, you know, there's usually like a production meeting on the news side of things um, before the, the TV meeting. And then uh, the TV meeting happens where everyone's kind of pitching things and talking about it for the TV show. But even during that meeting, um, work is happening. Like we're... I'm texting, you know, I'm emailing, I'm checking all my emails, I'm thinking of ideas, I'm texting sources and stuff like that. And so I'm getting assigned stuff by my boss. And so, um, you know, in fact, you know, for a long time, it started to be where I didn't even get to stand there for the whole meeting. I would have to go work. And then when it was my time to talk, I had to come over, do my pitches, and then go back to work. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a balance. It's definitely a balance. And like you said, a lot of people don't realize that that's happening, you know, so um, that's really like for the most people, for, for everyone there, it's like an hour and a half of the day. And then everyone, and then the rest of the day, everyone's doing lots of stuff, you know, either yeah. their editors on the show, their writers on the show, their producers for the website. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of those people are doing a lot more than what you realize. And they're not just sitting there. You know, they are sitting there making fun of celebrities, but then they also <laughs> have jobs as well. I spent the majority of my career as an entertainment reporter. Yeah. Obviously, TMZ is the place to go. When I started seeing wrestling stories reported on there as actual news, it just like warmed my heart. <laughs> and I think a lot of that's because of you. It was all because of me. Yeah, you brought that kind of the forefront, which then elevated the popularity, I think, of wrestling because it gave it this larger platform. And I love to hear you say that. That's very cool to hear you say that because, yeah, you know, when I started there, um, you know, I had worked in television. Um, my dad uh, has his own production company. Now he works elsewhere. But so I, I grew up in the entertainment industry. And when I started working at TMZ, I had gone kind of like, back down the totem pole as a PA. And then I worked my way up a little bit. And then I kept bugging them for an opportunity on the news desk. Cause it, you know, I, I could tell it was something that I, I'd be good at. Yeah. Um, and so I started, I, they finally gave me that opportunity. I did it. And uh, you know, one of the first things I'll tell you there is like, they want you to take some sort of like niche thing and own it and become like the best reporter at that thing, whether it's Lindsay Lohan or some dumb reality show yeah. or wrestling, they want you to like own it. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to start calling wrestlers. And so I literally just started reaching, Twitter wasn't even as popular as so it was Facebook. Like I was Facebooking wrestlers like, hey, you know, I'm working at TMZ now. I want to do more wrestling stories. Like if anything comes up, anything cool, positive, let me know. And so I just started reaching out to as many wrestlers as possible and it kind of worked a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I started pitching wrestling stories and they'd be like, we don't care about this. Like, mm. no wrestling stories. And I'd be like, well, what do you mean? You guys said, take this thing, own it. Like, I'm doing that. And they'd be like, we don't want wrestling stories. Like, unless someone dies or gets arrested, like, we really don't care. Yeah. And I was uh, okay. But then I started, I kept pushing because I, kn I know and you know, there's a jillion wrestling websites oh, out there. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're so thirsty for content you know they want they what they need it they want it they crave it and i kept telling them like i'm telling you you know and so finally it was like fine you can do this dumb wrestling story <laughs> great and then you know there's this board there used to be this board at tmz that would show the, the stories that and how they're tracking so you could see what the main story that okay. everyone's yeah, in yeah it's a newsroom thing yeah like a yeah. newsroom thing where you'd see and it would go up if more people were in it go down if less people were in it and Sure enough, wrestling story, like number one. And it like stayed there all day and they were just like, yeah, you can do more of those, ah. you know? And slowly it was like more and more and more of those. But you know, at the time, you know, before me, it was like, unless someone dies or gets arrested, don't care. And after, you know, 
after I started pushing it up, they really did start to like let me do a lot more positive wrestling news stories. Um, you know, I helped push for John Cena and The Miz and Ronda Rousey to host the show. Um, I helped make those three things happen. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I, I really tried for a long time to change that balance of like where you wouldn't just see death and arrests <laughs> for wrestlers in the mainstream yeah. media. And honestly, I think a lot, I, I feel that way, but I don't know if it's just me. I did kind of notice other mainstream publications starting to do more wrestling stories after that that's, as well. That's true. I mean, Sports Illustrated now covers it a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of outlets that cover it. So what was the one story at TMZ that you were really proud of that you broke? Uh, well, it wasn't wrestling, but... Okay, well, that's fine. It was... I forget his name, but it was just the whole story. Is <laughs> the like, story's so good, it, I don't remember who it no, was. No, I don't remember his name, but the story itself is just insane. So okay. it was early on in my time at TMZ. Like I said, I was trying to make a name for myself. I was trying to impress my bosses. And one Saturday, my boss calls me, Harvey. He calls me and he, goes, he says, uh, okay, so this, this Food Network chef is accused of of um, hiring homeless people to kill his wife. Whoa. And they flipped on him and told the cops, and that's how he ended up getting arrested. If I recall correctly, the story already came out that this guy got arrested. Okay. But we had gotten like a tip from somewhere that he had hired these homeless guys to make it happen, this, hom this homeless group of people. And so he said, I got a tip that the homeless people are at the, the Santa Monica, or the, not the pier, the, the, the promenade. Okay. The promenade. Yeah. I, I don't know where, but they're on the prom, from what I heard from a source, they're on the promenade somewhere. Can you go to the promenade and go talk to homeless people and see if you can <laughs> find them? And I go, yeah, of course. You know, like trying to press your boss. Go, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 sure. Like, what the so I hang up. Like, what the All right. So <laughs> I take my girlfriend at the time, my ex-girlfriend now, we, I take her to the promenade. I'm like, we got to. We gotta go try and talk to homeless people. We gotta go find homeless people, right? So I get to the I get to the promenade, and I stand there, and it's a big place. Yeah, it is. And I I'm like, hmm, it's where? a big like tourist attraction. Yeah, yeah. So there's so many people there, right? And I'm like, some hipsters in LA might just look like homeless people. <laughs> totally, totally. Sorry. So I myself included. You know, that's probably why they sent me. Uh, so they. So I'm like. Start. So I, 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 I'm, I'm next to a McDonald's that's there, and I see a homeless guy standing outside the McDonald's, and he has a sign that says, "Can you please buy me a Big Mac or something, something along those lines?" Okay. So I go in the McDonald's, I buy a Big Mac, and I come outside, and I go, "Hey, dude, here you go. Like, here's the Big Mac." And he was like, "Thank you so much." He starts, he starts to open the bag, and I go, "Hey, can I ask you a question?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, totally." And I go, "Look, I know this sounds crazy, but there's like this Food Network chef." who apparently hired a bunch of homeless people to murder his wife and they flipped on him. Does that sound familiar? Does that like ring a bell to you? And he goes, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and I go, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, that's me and Big Dave and Little Dave. And I go, wait, are you serious? Wow. And he goes, yeah, yeah, dead serious. He's like, yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear the whole story? And I go, yeah, of course I want to hear the whole story. So he goes, follow me. And so... <laughs> So, so we walk down the corner, turn the corner, and there's like this really tall homeless dude and this shorter looking homeless dude who's very scary looking. And then this guy who I'm talking to and, and his uh, fiance or wife or something like that. 
And so I, I go, so they, they go, yeah, yeah, it's us. It was this whole crazy story. And I go, hey, I work at TMZ. Um, you guys remember TMZ? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. I go, <laughs> I go, can I interview you about this? I had a flip cam on me. Yeah. That's when those were a thing. Right. Um, and I go, can I, can I interview you about this for our website? And he goes, yeah. They go, yeah, sure, totally. So they stand there and like on the promenade, I, I just hit record and I start interviewing them. Wow. And I, inter- I we, t- <laughs> we talk for like 30 minutes. They give me the craziest story about the whole thing, like from beginning, middle to end, which is insane story. And I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, this is crazy. So then we're done. I go, thank you so much. Like I'll stay in contact with you guys. And I call Harvey and he goes, did you find them? And I go, yeah, I did. He goes, did you interview them? And I go, yeah, I just interviewed them for 30 minutes. They told me the whole thing. Get back to the office. I'm like, you got to take that to the office right now. Gotta, I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, cool, cool. And that ended up like being huge international news. Sure. And then um, that's why I just forget the chef's name, but I just, the whole story is crazy. But then like if I recall some of the stuff they told me, like, they hadn't even told the cops when the cops, oh my like, when they flipped on the cops. Wow. So, like, if I recall correctly, like, part of my interview was, like, played in this guy's trial because, like, they told me stuff that, like, the cops hadn't even said yet. Wow. And I think he's, in, I'm pretty sure the guy's in jail for life. Like, and it's crazy story. Like, the whole thing is gnarly. So, that, that's definitely one of them. And obviously, there's other ones, like, that's one of the ones I'm most proud yeah, of because it's such crazy. a crazy yeah. story. But, I mean, you know, obviously, there that, that was not the biggest traffic story. Like, like, I have broken... As well, like it's hard to say you're proud of sad stories because like they're they're terribly sad and yeah. it's nobody wants to work on a death thing. Like it's one of the saddest things to work on. Like I hate it so much, but at the same time, I always grew up looking at wrestling news and stuff like that, and I, I hate it. And just news in general, I've always been a news junkie, and I hated when like incorrect reporting would come out about certain things. And mm. so I always like really wanted to make sure like. I'm reporting accurately. So yeah, it sucks calling a family member when their family member just died, but also like I'm trying to tell them like, hey, I get it. Like my brother died, I've been there, yeah. but I wouldn't want incorrect information out there if he was a celebrity about his death. So I, I really just want to help inform the fans of that person. Yeah. And, and it's hard, it's so hard. Um, but also like, you know, I broke the passing of Macho Man Randy Savage at TMZ, um, Whitney Houston passing away. I broke that, you know, I broke that. Um, so with the Whitney Houston one, she died in a hotel room. Mm -hmm. How do you find out? I got a text message from us. I was literally, I, I went to Arclight with my family. Uh Uh, We were seeing that movie with Denzel Washington and Ryan, um, I forget what it was. Ryan, was it Ryan Reynolds? He's he's the one from Deadpool, right? Safe house. Safe house. There we go. We were seeing Ah. safe house. I took my family to see safe house. Oh, take you guys out to LA. They drew out to LA. I'll take you all to see safe house. Uh, we're in the theater. The movie is like about to start the trailers and I look at my phone to silence it and I just got a text message from a very good source who said, Whitney Houston just died. Here, here, this is where she died. And I like looked at my family and I went, I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta go work. Like you guys have to watch me without me. I gotta go on the balcony. And so my family watched Safe House. <laughs> I went on the balcony of Arclight upstairs on the second floor and worked the whole movie basically and was on both my phones. Um, you know, talking to sources, reaching yeah. out to publicists and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like I was working on it. Wow. Yeah, I had a really good source. So that other story only cost you a Big Mac. Yeah, the other but, story only cost me a Big Mac. But a Mac. lot of these, like TMZ is known for paying like 
big money. Well, for, for in, not, not for information, not for stories. They necessarily like they'll pay for, for video, for video, yeah. pictures, things like, like that. Uh, like just a, like ABC and all those kinds of places do too. Like I know everyone goes like, oh, TMZ pays for things, but like you know. Behind the scenes, like the ABCs, the CBSs of the world, like the 2020s, like they're all paying those people for the documents. You know, I'm sorry, like documents, videos, okay. pictures. Okay. You know, so it's similar to yeah. those as well. Um, but yes, I mean, yes, people, because of that stigma, um, you know, and there's that whole like contact us thing on the website um, and on the TV show when they say to like contact us. Um, yeah, I mean, that tip line is pouring in oh, at all sure. times. I mean, you know, my old phone, I would get over a thousand emails a day that I would have to sift through wow. to like see what was legit and what was not and stuff like that. So let, let's take it back. You know, what was it about or when was it that you really became like a crazy wrestling fan? Well, that's a good question. You know, I see, you know, what's weird is I've always been obsessed with behind the scenes of wrestling. That's my, like your whole life, my whole life. Okay. You know, and I love wrestling. Don't get me wrong. But um, like I said, my dad works in TV and when I was very young, he took me to, he used to work on the show Rhonda Shear Up All Night, which was on USA. Yeah. And um, they did a taping at some kind of WWE event, at, which was in LA. And I got to go to it. And um, so my first like memories of wrestling were already behind the scenes. And it was crazy because, you know, I. <laughs> I got to go in the locker room for a minute, which you would think is unheard of. Like now you would think this is unheard of to hear because like as an adult, I've never even been in the locker room. But for some reason, like they let me <laughs> through the locker room. I don't know why. Yeah. We got to go through the locker room and I see Yokozuna and Undertaker playing cards together in the corner. And I'm wow. like, those guys, I'm pretty sure I saw those guys talking crap about each yeah. other. Like, that's weird. And then like this person kind of being nice. And then I remember seeing men on a mission i want to say and they looked at us like, like all mean and it was like weird and i just was like this is interesting like this is fascinating yeah and then we went into another room which i don't know why i i, I don't know why and my dad doesn't know why we were there either i i don't know why but for some reason we were in you know like how wwf back in the day used to have the doors yeah instead yeah, of like yeah. so we were behind the doors for some reason i don't know why and and um I'll never forget, you know, at the time I didn't know who they were, but it was Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna. And they were the nicest people to us. Now, this is a guy, you know, yeah. tatted up head, like she's crazy looking. And they're just like, are you guys having a nice time? Me, my, me and my older brother, are you guys having a nice time? Are you enjoying the show? They're the nicest people, right? Like, we're like, yeah, yeah, this is great. Okay, cool. Like, keep enjoying the show. Like, nice meeting you. And then you hear like their music hit. And he goes like, all right, we got to go. Nice meeting you. And then he kicks it in the door, and she's like, Bleh! and he's just like, Bleh! and I was like, what is this? Like, this is a crazy world, you know? And not long after, you know, I, you know, I did that. I watched wrestling at Jason Lee's. My dad was a wrestling fan. Um, but it was really the Attitude Era when, like, it really ramped up, you know. I, and, and similarly, um, like I said, my dad works in the entertainment industry. And so when the Attitude Era started, I remember I watched – the Hell in a Cell. Like, mm -hmm. I, not live. My neighbor was like, you guys got to watch this. I have this tape. It's the craziest thing. I watched the Hell in a Cell with Mick Foley and, and Undertaker, I should specify. <laughs> um, and, you know, we watched the whole thing, and it, it just mesmerized me. Like, yeah. I was like, I got to start watching this. This Now, this is different than what I saw that, that back when I was a kid. Like, yeah, this sure. is crazy. I got to watch this. Oh, yeah. So I started watching it, and then not long after, I want to say, 
is when Beyond the Mat came out, mm -hmm. and my dad got to see an early screening of that. And when I went to the early screening of it, you know, I have like industry screens where you like fill out the cards of like what you thought about the movie. So I, I got to see it before it came out. And I remember just like once again being like, this world is so crazy. And that's really when I started getting obsessed with the behind the scenes of things. Mm. And that's, you know, luckily I grew up in an internet era, you know, so, and I'm sure you did too of like, where like at a time you're like, well, what, what's really going on? And so you'd start going to all these like rajawwf.com and like yeah. all those old like wrestling sites when the internet was still like in its early days yeah. and stuff. And so, and it would always be like, click here to find out the gift Stephanie gave to Vince or something like that, but you'd never find out, you know, or like, <laughs> you know, it's like, this person's gonna be on Raw and they never were, you know? And so like, but you'd read it cause you were just so interested. And like, honestly, the behind the scenes always fascinated me. So yes, I love, I've, all, I've liked wrestling since the Hell in a Cell of Mankind Undertaker. Um, but it's amazing though that you're approaching this as a news junkie mm -hmm. because there's so many people that do what you do and they're approaching it as like, I'm just a wrestling fan yeah. and writing these stories about wrestling allows me to get closer to the industry. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's amazing that you're approaching it as a journalist because I think unfortunately a, a lot of times in wrestling journalism, journalism has to be put in quotations. Yeah. Um, for you with these stories, how do you vet them? Like, you, cause you're still breaking stories in wrestling. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would say that it's, it's just trust, learning to trust your sources. And, you know, luckily I've been doing this for 10 years, you know, and I got trained by some of the best people in news. You know, I might not work at TMZ anymore, but I mean, Harvey Levin, that guy is like a bulldog reporter. Like, mm -hmm. to, ha to, like to sit under his learning tree for seven years and get taught how to break international, you know, news stories like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's it's something that's hard to explain, but you know, uh, it, it, it took. A, I mean, I I don't I can't say it took a lot of trial and error because it didn't because you can't make a lot of error in this kind of situation. So like, you know, I had to start with stupid stories at first, but then like, you know, once I dove in with like real news, you also get this like, you get this addiction for it. If you're like, man, I like to to break stories and and to break factual stories because I get. So, the main, the main driving force of it all is I hate seeing fake news. I mm. hate it so much, so much, so much. Like my whole, like I was saying, when I would go on those Raja WWF.coms, that stuff never happened. And, and my whole life, I always felt, other fans might not feel the same way, but I always felt like I never had a website that I could go to that I could trust all the content there. Like, you know, you always hear this in wrestling. If that's true, that's yeah. awesome. Yes. If that's true, I'll be excited. Yeah. If that, and, 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 it, and it would always drive me crazy because I would just be like, why isn't there a site that cares about answering the if? You know, like, and, and it, would, it would really eat me up inside. And so, you know, like I said when I was at TMZ, you know, I always hated seeing what a fake story can do to someone. So when I was at TMZ, I tried really hard to find those people that I felt like their story wasn't being told appropriately and find them be like, hey, I have this, I have this platform. Yeah. I can help you get your side of things out yeah. there. And so I saw that like a lot of people, every time it was a wrestler, it would be, they'd be like, thank you so much. Yes. Nobody in wrestling does this. Yeah. So when I left TMZ, I was like, I'm going to be the one that does it. You know, like yeah. I have to, this is, a, there is a void in wrestling right now, in wrestling news for that. And but it's a big leap, though, because there's so many wrestling sites out there. Yeah. So for you to be starting a new one, you're kind of having to play catch up with all these sites that have been around for five and 10 and 15 years. Mm -hmm. 
Where did you, what made you think it was going to work? I'm way too confident in myself. <laughs> <laughs> like to a fault, you know, like uh, I, you know, I'll be honest, like I, I, I was, I, 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 sometimes you can be fueled by, by certain things, you know, and it was like near the end of my time at TMZ, they would complain about me pitching too many wrestling stories. And, and I realized it was the only thing I was passionate about. And I was thinking to myself, I can do this. Like, I, and, and similarly, like you said, like a lot of those sites are so hardcore fan based yeah. that I felt like there wasn't one speaking to the general public, like one that was f consumed by, by a non-hardcore like, wrestling Like fan. trying to be the TMZ, but of wrestling? Initially, yeah. Initially, yeah. it was that, you know? Like, initially, it was like, I want to be like the TMZ of wrestling. Absolutely. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, initially, that was part of it. It was sure. like, this could be done, this model mm -hmm. could 100% be applied to wrestling. Yeah. And people would find it just as interesting as they do TMZ. Yeah. Now, over the years, like, I... I have uh, now I've dealt with trial and error because now I, I, I've owned a website for four and a half years, like a news website that does get picked up by, you know, mainstream publications sometimes that does get picked up by all the wrestling sites that does have the attention of wrestlers. And so I have learned lessons like there are mistakes I have made along the way, you know, and and they're learning lessons, you know, and I have tried along the way, like people, I get a lot of shit on Twitter sometimes and people go like, well, you did this, you did this once. And I'll be honest with you, like people don't understand, like I have changed because of those certain things. Like someone goes like, you did this. Yeah, I did do that. Mm. And I realized that was bad. So yeah. I have really tried to change, you know, like one time I was like, I let, I used to let Twitter get the best of me for a little bit, you know, cause honestly, when I first started the site, I thought to myself, I have to tweet as much as possible. I have to tweet as much as possible. Okay. So yeah. people don't notice that I'm advertising my site all the time, you know, like, when I'm retweeting my own links all the time, yeah. I knew people were going to get over that. So I had to tweet all the time. I got to tweet about everything all the time so that it doesn't just look like my feed yeah. is only <laughs> wrestling sheet links, right. you know? And so I did that. I got caught up in it. And like one time, you know, I said something to Chris Jericho. I like quote tweeted something Chris Jericho said. He got real mad. He then posted a video saying Ryan Satin go fuck himself. And I learned from it. I, yeah, I really like reflected on it. Like, you know what? I didn't need to get involved in that. Mm. I didn't need to say that. Like, I didn't need to get, like, you know what? I'm not the savior of anything. Like, I'm not changing anything. Like, my, me saying that, all it did was make people dislike me. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I, like, I learned, like, maybe, you know what? Maybe you don't have to talk about everything. Like, maybe, you know what? You've carved your own spot now. Yeah. You can just talk about news now. Like, yeah. it's okay. Like, you yeah, don't yeah. have to get involved in every social issue and things like that. And so, you know, I've really tried to back out of those kinds of things. You know, Sasha Banks and Bailey. I did a report about them around WrestleMania. And, you know, I then, you know, a few months later, I saw Sasha Banks's Chronicle, I believe it was. I saw how she said it affected her. And how other you know thing report you know other fans have affected her from you know the the, the injury when when she hurt Bailey you know when Bailey sorry not when Bailey when Paige got injured right. and she was involved um, and I watched it and I thought to myself like I never want to make someone sad especially like that like I am a nice guy and I really don't want to make people sad like and so I have made changes like like I've tried not to do behind the scenes drama ever since then and just focus on sports reporting as if wrestling was a sport and do straight up sports reporting right. and there might be sometimes where like there's a big blow up backstage but i 
now know that I need to handle those situations with more care. And so like, yeah. there are things I learned along the way. Like I've really tried to back away from like covering arrests and, and, and because, you know, I thought to myself, it's my website. I, I don't, as much as I wanted to be like the TMZ of wrestling, I thought to myself, you know what? Like I've gotten to a point where like, I've realized that the audience that I have built, they don't really want me to be reporting on arrests yeah. and, and things like that. They want to hear about wrestling yeah. from me. And yeah. so I've tried to step back on reporting about arrests and things like that. Like, and people go, oh, that is amazing. You're, you've lost your credibility. I don't think so. I just really tried to focus on caring about the people that I'm reporting on. And that might, I don't know, maybe that's bad. I don't know. But like, yeah. I've tried really to make changes in my reporting because it's, it's, you know, validity is one, you know, being accurate is one thing, but like being a better person is better. Well, is it, is it now tough? Do you have to walk this line? You're doing stuff with WWE backstage. Mm -hmm. You're obviously going to have to report on negative stories with WWE. Yes. Is there, is there not a conflict of interest now? Well, so the, the show is, is a Fox Sports show. And I realize that that gets, you know, is confusing because it's called WWE backstage <laughs> and it is promoted on WWE TV. Yes, using WWE talent. Using WWE talent. I realize all these things. Um, I, you know, uh, I... I don't think so. You know, I've, I've still reported on negative things that have happened. Like I said right here, you know, I've really tried to step back on like this person, this person talked crap about that person on Twitter. Um, I've tried to step back from those kinds of stories, similar to the arrest stories. So people go like, well, why didn't you cover CM Punk and The Miz? And I'm like, well, because I've tried to up the, the credibility of my website or up the, the appearance of my website. And like, yeah. you guys got really mad at me about certain things. Like, oh, you only care about stupid tweets. I've tried to stop doing tweets, you know? Well, I guess the devil's advocate would say, well, you're not doing those types of stories because you're now working with Absolutely, them. absolutely. But this started, a lot of this started with the Sasha Banks Chronicle thing. Mm -hmm. I will be honest okay. with you. A lot of like the me trying to steer away from drama as much as possible ha was because of the Sasha Banks thing. Because I was like, you know what? Like, fine. Well, you know, like I <laughs> makes my life easier if I don't have to talk about those things. And if you yeah. don't want it anyways, like fine, you yeah. know? And so it's hard to like, it's this balance act. Like, and people go, well, why didn't you talk about the plane on WWE backstage? Well, I'm not the producer. You've worked in TV for a long, you know, you've worked in television. You know how it is. Yeah. If you're not the producer, you're not necessarily picking who's choosing. You're not picking and choosing who's talking about what necessarily, you know, yeah. I pitched it, you know, they wanted to talk about it in a different segment. So they did, yeah. you know, I, I still find stories on my own that I'm pitching for the segment. Um, it's, you know, it's a work in progress. Um, but I am, you know, I look at it as, you know, first of all, I look, I look at it akin to like a Jay Glazer and Adam Schefter and all those guys. But similarly, those guys aren't on show. You know, this is a little more closely associated to WWE um, than those guys are on the shows that they yeah. are on with sports networks. Um, but I honestly look at it as kind of like I said about how much I um, want to have accurate news. Mm -hmm. I look at it as the closer I am, the more accurate the news you're going to get from me is. You know, for a long time, we've seen this contentious relationship between WWE and the media where it's like, yeah. you know, where you think where Dave, the Dave Meltzer of the world go like, like, no, like the, he's not allowed here. He can't interview talent or this and that, or a lot of the wrestling media like can't interview talent and stuff like that. And from day one, and people don't realize, but like from day one, my goal has been to break that down, like to like break that down. Yeah. Like I think it's stupid. And like in the entertainment industry, the, the, the relationship between the studios and the media is great. They're flying uh, people out to junkets, you yes. know. Oh, they're I know. flying people out to junkets. They're, it's like, they're like 
they're, they're bending over backwards for the media because they want their coverage. We're, we're in a very interesting transition period right now with wrestling. Like, yeah. Where the, the curtain has been peeled back, but not peeled back all the way. <laughs> yes. You know, kayfabe still exists, but it doesn't exist like it did 15 and 20 plus years ago. So it's, it's like, I feel like we are getting more access, but at the same time, you can't have... All of it. All the access. <laughs> well, it's and very but, interesting. But honestly, from from when I started my website till na- to now, it's a huge leap, honestly. Like other good sites have popped up too, you know, like Fightful and Post Wrestling and stuff like that. Like I'm not the only one that's that's as focused on accuracy, I feel like, anymore, you know? And, you know, people are like appropriately tagging their exclusives so there's not just these weird stories floating out in the ether anymore like there's accountability a little bit more but then there's a lot of cut and paste there is a, oh there's <laughs> so much cut and paste but at least i feel like at least there's i since i started my site to now i've noticed a little bit more crediting a little bit more crediting which means there's a little bit more accountability which i like and you know I, i'm obviously involved in this in a small way yeah. like my interviews get reposted everywhere, everywhere. which is Awesome. Yeah. It's so great. And, you know, especially when they link up to the video, mm-hmm. it makes it that much better. But it's so interesting that, like, word for word sometimes, across 10 different sites, it'll be the exact same article. And I try and tell people, like, and you are great at this, but, and, and I try and stress to other people who do interviews on, on, in the wrestling world, and not even in the wrestling world, in just any sphere. Yeah. If you write up the quotes. Yes. And put your own press release together that looks somewhat passable, they're gonna pick it up. Yes. I learned this because at TMZ, like I said, there would be a thousand emails a day. And when I'm scrolling through all my emails and I see one that looks presentable with, with quotes that are, yeah. I go, hey, you know what? That makes my life a little easier yeah. because all I have to do is copy and paste those <laughs> quotes. And, and I didn't, a lot of the sites will just take your press release, swoop, copy and paste the whole yeah. thing and post it. I would at least see it as like, hey, those are big quotes that are good, that are interesting. Work them I can into make an article. that into an article, yeah. you know? And so um, I stress to it all the time, I go, dude, if you do that, you have upped your chances of people seeing your interview oh. tenfold. And I've had people on Twitter that were like, I never thought of that. I can't believe I didn't do it. So I, t- I one time tweeted like a template for a press release. Here's one I get all the time. This girl, hers are great. You should do this. Just copy, just copy what she does and yeah. put your own show in there. And... X-Pac got a little mad at me that day because it was the press release for his show and he was like, why are you giving away our secrets? You know? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. my bad, my bad. But, but so, yeah, you know, like I, I tell you all the time, press release, dude, like you will get so much more published. You will get so much more so press. I, yeah, I was, I was sending out quotes for a while and recently I've been like, well, now I'm doing these longer interviews, <laughs> yeah. right? They're, so they're an hour long. It's hard to boil down an hour to like four quotes. Yeah. And it also kind of skews the the coverage as well. If I go to you, Hey Ryan, here's four things I talked about with John Cena or the Miz or, you know, Cody Rhodes or whoever I talked to. Those are probably the only four things you're going to focus on. What if there's some nuggets in there that I didn't talk about and it skews your coverage and skews everyone's coverage. So now I'm basically just going, here's my interview. Yeah, no. And honestly, whatever you'd like to pull from it, go ahead. That was why when you used to send out the, the, press releases and you'd have the video in there that was why i reached out to you and we're like hey you should put these in the podcast form because sometimes like i'm not gonna lie yeah if i see an interesting news story that just got emailed to me i go like well there you go like great there's that's a great angle like he did the half the work for me chris helped me out here great but you're right a lot of times i would say majority of the time i will 
do the same thing. I listen to the full thing. Yeah. And I try and find that one nugget that people weren't talking about, you yeah. know? And, and that's my special, that, that's exactly what I try and do as well. Yeah, yeah. And that was why I was like, hey, put this in podcast so I can listen to it while I'm driving. Because <laughs> sometimes like, when I'm at my desk, it's a little harder to like watch a full YouTube video. So I love it's that there, you put them on the podcast feed now. We're on a podcast as we speak right now. <laughs> good, good. So what, what's in it for your sources? Like why, why would I be a Ryan Satin source? Uh, you know, I think one, it's people who also want accuracy in wrestling news. I think, you know, similar to me, there's other news junkies out there who hate that they have seen, that they see fake reporting out there. Yeah. You know, like they know that like I'm someone who strives to try and get the truth of what's going on in a situation out there. Um, so I think that has helped a lot. Um, but also, you know, it's, I guess they're also just relationships you build. I, that, that's what I was going to say. It's also like a lot of times like people like me, like, you know, yeah. like believe it or not. But like, I, uh, yeah, I, you know, you know, you'll meet someone, you'll be friendly with them, you know, like you, you know, like you'll ask a question here and there, you know, um, it takes a long time to like, oh, like yeah. to, to like, not only to like manifest a relationship well enough to where you can feel oh, like not an asshole asking them for information. That's one. Yeah. And, and, and two, um, making it clear that that's not the only reason like you're talking to this person either, you know? Yeah. And I think that like, I'm a... People might not believe it because it's hard in, on Twitter to, you know, convey who you are. But, like, I'm a pretty nice guy, like, when people are actually talking <laughs> to me. And so um, I, I think that, you know, people are also sometimes surprised when they start talking. Like, oh, you're actually, like, a really nice guy. <laughs> how, do you know that, how do you know that the information you're getting is accurate? Especially if this is information that's coming from behind the curtain. Yeah. I, I never post anything that's just from one source. Like, okay, I never. that's interesting. I mean, I never. I mean, unless it's, like... Unless it's someone who is like, I know that this person is trusted or only this person would know or, you know, whatever. But like majority of the time, I would say 95% of the time, even when my best, even my best sources, honestly, even when my best sources tell me I'm still attempting. No, I don't publish unless I've confirmed with at least two to three people, like mm. at least two to three, like, like two really good sources or like one really good source and then like two other sources, you know, like, like if I've got it from like two trust people who have never been wrong, you know, I'll like maybe slide, but usually for the most part, I try and get, I try and triple source everything. Cause like, mm. it's important to me. Like I'd rather not do a story than be wrong about something. Mm. And that's, I mean, like I, I really would, like I hate, I hate putting something that out there that's false. So like I'd rather, like even the Sasha Banks thing, people go like, Oh, Sasha Banks, you just wanted to make money off of it. I didn't even post that on my website. Like that wasn't a story that, that was went on my on website. Twitter. I tweeted saying like, "Hey, heard this thing," because that was something that I had heard from four sources, and I I don't want to like get into that, but like, and and I realized that I, I've already apologized. It was wrong. It was according to Sasha and Bailey, it didn't happen. You know, so okay, like I'm not gonna like get into that. But according to the four other people, but I had it did happen. You know what I mean? So like, so I tricky. don't like, and, and that one wasn't thing. I I made no money off of that. I tweeted it, and it caused a firestorm that. I didn't expect, but you know, I, I, even then, like I try, I try really hard. And there's a lot of people in news who don't do that, who don't try to get it from four sources, like who will go get it from one and be totally cool with it. Well, I think a lot of those people are just excited. Like, oh my God, you're giving, you're giving this to me. Yes. Oh, I got to get this online as quickly as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, during interviews, there's sometimes where someone will say something that I know is newsworthy and I'm like, wow, like <laughs> I feel 
like the David Benoit interview mm-hmm. that you know, I just released, which a few was very days ago. intense. Uh, thank you. It was, I mean, the fact that he just he reached out to me and trusted me with that, it was like you feel this great responsibility. Oh yeah. Especially like with a journalist background that I have, like you feel this great responsibility to try to get that right. Yep. So I can side with you on that. I know where you're coming from. You want to get it, you know, you want to get it right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you did a great job with that interview, by the way. Like that's not an easy Thank subject you. to tackle. I know that that's a tough one. So. And he's, you know, he's obviously not used to doing interviews. Yeah, either. totally. Yeah. So that, that made it like an extra layer of that. Because I, I heard, he, I, I had listened to one that he did. With Fred Rosser? That one. Yeah. And it, this was Young. very different, the one that you did. And I thought it was very much, like, no, no disrespect to the interview that he did with, with, with Fred at all. Um, but you did a very good job of, like, getting different, a different side of, of a very intense situation. Well, it, you know, if I'm being completely honest here, we did the interview on a Friday morning, but I flew into Las Vegas that Thursday evening. And I said, hey, man, I don't have any plans when I land. Do you want to grab a drink? And he's like, yeah, sure, man. He was in town with one of his buddies for the week. Mm-hmm. So me and him and his buddy just went out and had a beer. And that totally broke the ice. Good. And he's like, hey, man, I, I really like you. I'm really excited about this interview. And we can talk about anything. Crazy. I'm like, anything? He's like, anything, man. Anything. And I'm like, the fact that we were able to share that moment as friends rather than just like knocking on the door. Oh, hey, man, I'm Chris. Nice to meet you. And let's do the interview. <laughs> now tell me about all, about all these things about your dad. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that I think that that definitely helped the process. I actually haven't I haven't ever I haven't said that. So that's interesting. For, you know, there you go. That's, that's see. And you that's, don't even got to put that in the press release. <laughs> you know, you got to listen to the whole show for that nugget. <laughs> yeah, you got to listen 40 minutes in. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> What's your take on the landscape of professional wrestling as it stands right now in 2020? Dude, I love it right now. I mean, there's so much good wrestling on television right now, just like in general, in, in the world. Um, you know, when I started here at Collider, I told them, I was like, man, I really think that like, I can feel, I can sense this revival of sorts for the wrestling industry. And like, I know people go like, oh, there's only 2 million viewers on each show, whatever, the boom period's not happening. (laughs) But like, honestly, like, I truly believe that by the end of 2020, that wrestling's gonna be in a very different place. It's gonna be, Mm. it'll have been on Fox for a year at that point. AEW will have been on a roll for a year at that point, or now two years at that point. Um, You know, I truly believe that we are on the way to a boom period again. Like, I know people go like, oh, you're crazy, Ryan, you know what you're talking about or whatever, but like, <laughs> I, I just feel it in my bones. Like, I see, you know, The Rock's got a show that's gonna be on NBC about his young life, which is obviously gonna be about wrestling. Which is crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And he's gonna be on every episode. Um, oh, I didn't know, know that. Yeah. Wow. He, they didn't say in what way, I'm guessing that it's gonna be in like a like a narrator at the top, like to set up each episode. But they haven't said maybe he'll play his dad, maybe he'll be himself, like they did in that Pen Fifteen show where they make the character like they have adults playing children or whatever. They haven't said, but he's gonna be on the show. Uh, Stephen Amell is gonna have his own wrestling show on uh, I think it's Stars. Um, AEW's out there. WWE Backstage is on TV, which is like. Fox Sports, it's a, you know, a roundtable show that people can watch, you know, famous people who did it talking yeah. about it, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, I think that there's all these things that are happening to where like there's wrestling on television 
pretty much every night of the week now yeah. almost you know nxt is is also killing it in what they're doing they're like they're they're setting new ground with the women's division you know new japan is still out there doing their thing you know roh might be a sleeper this year now that marty is involved in the booking and stuff uh you know there's 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 even stuff like nwa on the internet there's just so much yeah. that i don't think that it's like bad i think that it's really just it's helping everything grow and i really feel like by the end of this year I feel like the mainstream is going to care about wrestling like they did when I was a kid. I've been saying it for the longest time. Well, I've been saying it for the last year or so. Rising tides lift all ships. Yep. And with AEW coming in, it's kind of going, there's an alternative now. There has been alternatives for a while. I mean, I, I think people seem to forget that Impact Wrestling was on network television, mm -hmm. not network, cable television, even went head to head with Raw for, you know. Brief minute, we yeah. won't talk, shouldn't talk about it. But like when people, <laughs> <laughs> when people were like, AEW's doing this for the first time in 18 years, it's like, well, no, not exactly. You know what I think the difference is? Is <clears throat> I think it's the same reason we love wrestling. People like to see two people going at it, whether it's people or entities or whatever, People like to see a fight. It's yeah. happened since the beginning of time. Like, yeah. you know, the gladiators, you know, like people just love to see two competitors going at it, right? And whether there was an alternative or not, I don't, Impact tried briefly, like you said, and they gave up so fast. They tucked their tail between yeah. their legs, went running back to Thursday or whatever, and they were like, we, we, we should not have done that, you but know? the footnote is Impact's numbers then terrible at the time then, yes. way better than the numbers now. Yes, absolutely. But TV as a whole has changed since of then. Of course. Like, it's crazy. Like, people always point at the numbers and stuff like that, but, like, then they go, like, well, I don't have cable. And you go, like, well, you're not even watching on TV, so you should know why the numbers are down because you're a cord cutter, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, like, most of my friends don't have cable. They all watch, you know, Schmilligally or whatever, you know, like they're all watching on the internet, like you know, like every or they have slings or whatever, yep, but like yep. they're not watching the same traditional way they used to watch anymore. Yep. People are watching differently, and also people forget how important social media is. Oh. You, I, me, we're all you. We're all on our phone at all times, and if if you're trending every week. Yeah. For real? Yeah. You have multiple trends. Yeah. You are destination television. You can sell more advertising on that. Like yeah. just like back in the day, 10 million viewers because it's destination viewing. You can't, you're not fast forwarding through that either yeah. because you're watching when it's live most of the well, time. AEW's did a, done a great job on Instagram of posting clips like five minutes after they happen on the show. WWE, I mean... People don't give WWE credit for how large their YouTube oh, channel it's is. crazy. Like, they have, I think, the second or third largest YouTube channel in the world. It's something like that, yeah. And, like, I think one or number one or two or three in views in total. Like, it's insane. It's ridiculous. And then you look at, like, everyone hated the Lana, you know, Rusev wedding or the Lana Bobby Lashley wedding. And then the numbers on YouTube are massive, <laughs> 10 times the ratings yep. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think we need to start looking at different numbers. Well, even like backstage, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, like the numbers for backstage, blah, 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 whatever. They don't count that like the show repeats 10 times and yeah. all of those get factored in. They're not counting the YouTube numbers. Like I had a video that had like a million views. Like on one of my segments, like that matters to, to the company. Like yeah. they make money from that too. Like it's, it's, it's very short-sighted. It's, it's very 2000, 2000 thinking. Yeah. In 2020. Well, what's so crazy is to understand how the Nielsen ratings work is ridiculous. Yes. Like 
one family might have a box. This is how it works, by yeah. the way. One family might have a box in their house and that box and what they watch is representative of, of I believe, 10,000 households. Basically, the ratings are a math equation. Which is, but it's so bizarre because we live in a world where our television, like our cable is being delivered to us digitally now. Why don't we all just check a box off and say, sure, you can record, you can let people know what I'm watching. Right. We do it on the internet every single second of every single day. What's even funnier to me is how many people don't realize that what you just I know, said. I it's so crazy. And I can't tell you, my whole life, because like I have said, my dad works in TV, my whole life, it'd be like, well, no, someone would say to me, oh, no, I got to watch because I want to make sure my show doesn't get canceled. And I'd go to them like, you watching yeah. does not matter. Like, that's not factored into your show. And they're like, what do you mean? I have on in both TVs. And I go, <laughs> are you insane? It, unless you have a Nielsen fa- unless you're a Nielsen family, then put it on in all four TVs in the house and yeah. help out the TV industry. But if not, what are you talking about? And so if people, there's so many people in the world who think, them watching TV factors into the ratings. What I just I just don't get why why can't we get 100% accurate TV ratings? It's funny that you say that. If that interests you, and this is probably not going to interest all these people, but you should listen to it. It's Edward Norton did an interview with uh, Mark Marin, I want to say, okay. recently on the WTF podcast, and they get into this topic. And I didn't know that he has started like a data and analytics company, basically, oh, wow. where he was frustrated by similar things and so he went to this guy and so first what he tackled was the you know how i talked about oh my god hold on (laughs) that's okay yeah yeah it's all good i know where i was i know where i was at start the the, like sentence like i don't know if this will interest you okay okay let me just clap here Okay. So I don't know if this will interest you, but basically Edward Norton, so he, he, he has like a data and analytics company now, and his data and analytics company, they're tackling similar topics. And the first thing they tackled, he said, was movie, screen, like, um, um, movie screenings. And like I was saying, when I saw behind the, Beyond the Mat back yeah, in the day, yeah, yeah. You know, the way movie screenings work for producers and directors and all that kind of stuff is you'll see this screening and then after they hand you like a piece of paper that's a questionnaire and a pencil and paper and you're like crossing things off and they're still, they were, they're still doing that to this day in 2020. Yeah. Paper and pencil to figure out what people in a movie theater thought about it. And yeah. he was like, that's stupid. Why wouldn't we do it on an iPad and have that data sent places, and then we can do stuff with that data in the future and, and figure out and have it help us like yeah, people yeah. do with data these days right. and analytics and stuff. And, and also where it can be immediately emailed to the director of the movie, and he's had to wait three weeks for it to come in the mail. And so we get it instantly because it's an instant age. Yeah. And they were like, and so he started this company where they started, and now I, 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 I'm gonna get the figure wrong, but it was like, they do like 75% of Hollywood screenings now, wow. and they've, they've basically helped eliminate that. And one of the other things that he wants to do is the TV rating side of things where he says the Nielsen is bullshit. It like, is. It's bullshit. It is not an accurate indicator of what people are watching. And honestly, the, and the only reason that's done is for advertisers. Yes. Like It's for advertisers so that advertisers can know if they should place advertising on it, but they don't know if their advertising is effective on those shows. Yeah. So 
he is working with this guy to, to his company to basically he says that they've created software to where they're trying to replace Nielsen with this other thing where basically the advertising companies can see exactly how their advertising performed on television and certain things. They can see how many people saw it on TV and then went to the internet to go find it. And basically he's trying to, Edward Norton is trying to change the Nielsen game where he's trying to, because it's this antiquated system that all of all, it's it's right for the changing because it's so stupid. And so um, I don't even know how we got sidetracked to that, (laughs) but uh, that stuff fascinates me because I've just been working in TV my whole life. But um, but yeah. we'll bring it back around to wrestling okay. here, and I want to ask you some, you know, some straight up wrestling questions. All right. What's been your favorite wrestling story that you've broken? Favorite wrestling story that I've broken uh, was probably. I mean, it was, and I'm trying to steer away from the the backstage drama, but it was probably the Brock Lesnar. Uh, it was. It was they were both involving Brock Lesnar um, because just the thought of both were crazy. The the first was when he got into that backstage incident with Chris Jericho. Right. Uh, when he was elbowing Randy Orton, and people were wondering if he went off script because Randy got all bloody and was concussed, and then he went backstage, and Jericho wasn't sure if it was part of the show or not, and he was yelling at Brock, and the two of them went off. Just just the just because you're like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then it gets confirmed later, and all these stories happen, and you're just like, man, this is a crazy business we're in, where like these two guys almost fought because a legend in the industry wasn't sure if it was real. Like, I love that stuff, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and similarly, when Brock was mad at WrestleMania and threw the title at Vince, when he went backstage and said, like, you know, there's your fucking title or whatever and walked off, um, everyone said, oh, it was a, it was a work or yeah. it didn't happen. And for a year, I got crap. For a year, I got crap. Maybe even longer, I want to say, where it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. Yeah, it was a year. Because then when they did the, like, 24, yeah. one of those specials. Yeah, it was 24. Uh, and and you, they, they showed it. And I was like, vindication. Like, I told you guys it happened. Like, you should believe me. Um, <laughs> and just the way I got that, I can't talk about it, but the way I got that story um, as well, it's one of my. It's definitely the most memorable for me, for sure. Both of those. What's your favorite wrestling match of all time? Favorite wrestling match of all time. Oh man, that's so hard. Uh, I mean, I, a, a couple that just come to mind, uh, just from different for different reasons. Um, it would be like the the ladder match between the Hardys and the Dudleys and and Edge and Christian, uh, the first one. Uh, and, and any of them, okay. <laughs> all those matches, but yeah, TLC, yeah. you know, I, it was just legendary. Uh, you know, uh, obviously the undertaker of mankind, it was crazy. Um, you know, I really enjoyed, uh, Shawn Michaels and undertaker at WrestleMania, uh, the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all of that, that, their whole thing at Wrestle that, that was great. And then also, uh, the CM Punk when he walked out with the title. That was just a cool... And, oh, yeah. And Money in the Bank. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is the best match of the last 10 years? Uh, oh, yeah, well, and also, I left out one more, is WrestleMania 30, 30 when Daniel Bryan yeah. won the title. That's one of my favorite moments. I was and there. I was going to say that. that were you there for that? Yeah. Um, I wasn't, and I was very mad I didn't go, <laughs> but the, 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 the feeling that it evoked in me, like, it's, it's almost unmatched. You know, like, I just... You know, that whole thing was just like such a crazy time period from when CM Punk walked out to you know then the shine going to Daniel and just like the whole internet getting behind Daniel Bryan yeah. and, and basically forcing WWE to do something. Right. 
it's crazy to me. Like, you know, and now it's funny, you know, however long later it's been, we see the ramifications of it now because they did uh, make the fans feel like they could do something with their voice, that they could create change. And now they won't shut up and try to make him change with it <laughs> and thinking that they should create change with every little thing the fans say. Uh, so they did create a monster to a certain degree of Twitter. Uh, but I just, that whole time period is such a cool moment of just like Daniel Bryan's ascent and the, the yes movement and them trying to go this way, but then the fans forcing them back that way. Like I, that whole thing, I loved it all. I, you had a tweet. I think it was like last week where you were basically saying, I wish I could start getting credit for when I break these stories. Like WWE will give credit to Sports Illustrated mm -hmm. or the Toronto Sun or whatever mm -hmm. it happens to be. And then you and Meltzer got into it. Yeah. Like he's like, I don't care if I get credit. And yeah. you're like, well, my, my, my work should be, you know, credited. Yeah. What, why does that mean so much to you? Well, first of all, that tweet was like a year old uh, and someone took a screen grab of it and Meltzer commented it, said something at the time and I whatever like I, I i let it go but then or maybe even said something back then i don't know and then for some reason someone screen capped it again and he felt like saying something again so it did bother me a little bit because i am not coming at him so i didn't understand why he was putting my credibility um into question that bothered me and you've seen the people you know because of the backstage thing people are all people have very much been trying to call my credibility into question so when it's a peer right. of mine it frustrates me um the reason it's important to me Kind of like I said earlier, you know, I really, I always wanted to break that down. Like I wanted to break that wall down, you know, like I don't think that there should have to be this like contentious relationship between the media and wrestling promotions, you know? And, you know, since that tweet, I've been credited by WWE.com for breaking stories on backstage. I've gotten to interview. Because you work on backstage. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but it's a Fox show. You know, like it is a Fox show. It's not a WWE show. Like, I'm telling you this. Um. There's Fox, produ it's Fox producing it. Like the producers who are in the meeting are Fox producers. So does Vince or Triple H have the say over what goes to air? No. Really? No. I mean, I'm sure, like, look at like, do I think that they're going to try and put things on there that are, like, do I think that we're going to, like, like, uh, sideline, you know, swide type them with something that they aren't aware of? Probably not. Yeah. You know, it's obviously like a relationship, you know, but no, like, they're not the ones who are in control of the show. Fox is in control of the show. Like, Fox can do what they want, technically. Like, people, people keep forgetting, like, Fox is paying WWE money. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. like, yeah. you know, like, so no, I mean, obviously, they're not trying to make anyone, I don't think they're trying to make people angry, but like, CM Punk's on the show talking shit about WWE. They're saying things like heel and face on the show. Like you don't hear that on the pre pre you know pre shows or kickoff yeah. show or whatever. Like it's different. Like people want to pretend like it's not, but it really is different. Like, did, did you know that Punk was going to show up? No, no, I did not. I didn't. That was a surprise to me. I had no idea. Who was in on it? Just Renee? Uh, Renee and and the top brass, and obviously whoever was doing the you know miking up. Yes. Wow. Yeah, the, and, but even those guys, I don't think they were told until the last minute. Oh, wow. Like, he got brought in, like, they brought well, him I, in. I watched the video, at, yeah. yeah. He, I, don't think the, I don't even think the sound guys knew. Like, I really think it was only, like, a handful of people. Wow. Because even me, it was like, I was standing backstage, like, done with my segment, like, oh, cool. Whew. You know, and then, like, you know, I'm standing around, and then someone comes up to me, and they go, <laughs> can you come to the control, can you go to the control room real fast? And I was like, 
yeah, did I do something? Like, am I in trouble? That's what I said. I said, am I in trouble? <laughs> and they were like, did I say something on the air I wasn't supposed to? And they were like, no, 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 no. Just, can you just go to the control room real fast? And I was like, yeah, but for what? And they were like, just go to the control room. And I was like, okay. And I went to the control room. And I go in the control room. like, hey, what's up? And they're like, hey, can you go to the green room? And I was like, they just told me the control room. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. Just go to the green room. Okay. I'm like, I'm not in trouble, right? Am I like, and they're like, no, you're not in trouble. That's always my first inclination, you know. So like, sure. I'm like, am I in trouble? No, you're not in trouble. Then I go in the control, or I go in the green room, and then I'm standing there. And Mick Foley's next to me, and then Renee does that whole intro thing, and I hear Punk's music hit, and I just was like, oh, <laughs> whoa! And I look at Mick Foley, and he's like, oh, cool. And then we both went back, and then, you know, like, and then yeah, that was it. So yeah, I didn't, I had no idea. Were you surprised by how much feedback and flack you got for your hair? The first time you appeared on the show? <laughs> you know, I'll be honest, no. No, because the internet's like that. I, it was on me. I, my hair did look bad. <laughs> my hair looked bad. I, I, and you know, what's, you know what's so funny about that is uh, hair, my hair did look bad. And I, I was so focused on everything else that I forget that, like, oh, I'm also going to be on camera. I should probably get a haircut. And I was so focused on, like, the story and, like, other things that like, I was – what I was going to say – that I just didn't ask. I went there and I, I didn't do my own hair before. And the lady, I didn't give her a lot of direction, the, the hair lady, and she just tried her best. And, and then I just, I went along that and then I got a bunch of people making fun of me. And then I, I uh, my, one of my best friends, his sister's a hairstylist and she wrote him and was like, can you please tell him like I will cut his hair and fix it? So she came out like a few days later, she fixed it. And then that was two months ago, right? And so, wait, November, December, yeah, so like two months ago. And now this week I was on the show again and I was so busy and I was doing all these things. And as I'm, I got my suit ready or whatever and I'm like rushing and I'm about to leave my, my apartment, I go, oh my God, I forgot to get a haircut again. My hair looks like crap. Oh my God, I'm gonna get all those things. And I, I, I get this whole internal like, oh my God. Oh my God. I get to the studio and I tell the same lady like, oh. and she goes, you know, I can cut your hair, right? Oh wow. And I'm like, wait, you cut hair? And she goes, yeah, I'm the hair person. Like, of course I cut hair. That's what I do in here. Oh, that's, that's network television for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah wow. And I was like, how much time do you need to cut my hair? She was like 30 minutes. And I was like, done and so after the production meeting i like rushed downstairs and she cut my hair before so i didn't have that happen again this week <laughs> and i was so happy and i was like oh my god thank you so much like that you saved me <laughs> wow I, i've never been in a situation where the hair person can cut the hair as well See, so this is what i've been trying to tell them is they've been in tv they've been in network tv for so long like like They've been in high-budget television for so long yeah. that they don't realize that that's not the norm. No. Because I've been learning these things along the way because there's also a wardrobe department. And I've been, like, the first couple times I was stressing about my suit and, like, making sure. Look, and then I'm, like, <laughs> I was buying new ties each week. And then I was <laughs> – I'd go into the dressing – into the wardrobe room and there's like closets of ties and, and you pocket know, every squares, pocket squares, yeah. everything. And finally I said, hey, am I allowed to use these ties and pocket <laughs> squares? They were like, yeah, that's what it's here for. And I was like, oh, that's I've next been level. buying them the whole time. <laughs> and they were like, no, dude, like you need the suit and the shirt, but like we can help you with the ties and the pocket squares. We can, we can press your suit we can do us wow. or like you know like make it so it looks nice yeah. you know like you know get it you know make it look good make it look tv ready so i've been like oh my 
God, like I was doing all that myself, stressing <laughs> out, and I'm terrible at it. And they were like, no, just bring us your suit when you get here. We will take care of the rest. Like, Whoa. oh, they, so they're the ones helping me become a suit person. And, and, and so then, yes, then I learned the hair thing, and I was like, man, I, n- I never want to go back to, <laughs> to the other kinds of TV shows I was on. And I've been telling this to them. I'm like, no, guys, I've been on other shows. I've worked in television my entire life. This is not the norm. Like, this is not what people <laughs> no. are used to. Like, and they're like, Re-? and that's why I didn't know these are things here. And they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, no, you're in, you're in high-budget television now. Like, yeah. we will help you with your ties. I'm like, okay, good, noted. <laughs> so if we're sitting here right now, who's running the website? Uh, nobody. I, I, Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, Think of how much news is broken uh, in this I, last hour. Let's see, wait, hold on. Look, okay, I let's tried, see. I tried to be respectful see if and any, not look at my phone I appreciate once. you. Has there been any text? No. Okay. Nothing. Which no- wrestler are you closest with? Ooh. Ah. Uh, like who? Who would you text with? You know, on a regular basis. I mean, I don't. Mm, I probably shouldn't say that. Oh. <laughs> I got you. Uh, but the coolest person I've ever that I can text with, I can answer that. Okay. Is Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's pretty. We're not cool. regular texting buddies or anything like that. Yeah. So I didn't want to present it as that. But the fact that like. I can just text Stone Cold Steve Austin about something like if it comes to mind and he'll text back. Does he text back? What? (laughs) All the time? What? When when you text Stone Cold Steve Austin, you definitely read it in his voice back for sure. (laughs) Like it's very, yeah, no, absolutely. But he's honestly like Stone Cold Steve Austin is one of the nice, like he's one of the nicest people in wrestling that I've ever encountered. Like, and it's so cool that someone of his stature is as nice as he is, you know? If it wasn't for Stone Cold Steve Austin, like we probably wouldn't be sitting here. You know, no. we, we like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, when I first launched my site, I had barely launched it, like barely, you know, it'd been a couple months and I was still working to try and figure out what it was going to be. And, um, do you remember that show making a murderer? Yeah. And remember how the kid wanted to go to WrestleMania? Yeah. And so I texted Stone Cold and I go, Hey man, like, have you seen this making a murderer show? Of course I see this. This show's crazy. Like, so he calls me and he's like, and he goes, yeah, like, what do you, what, what's going on? You know? And I'm like, and I tell him Brendan Dassey, he wants to go to WrestleMania. Like, you know, then he goes, he goes, yeah, I saw that part. And I go like, can I maybe do a story about like you saying you'd like to like, you know, if he gets out, then you'll take him to WrestleMania. You know, I'll just kind of see if there's something there, you know? And he goes, he starts, he goes like, well, maybe. Yeah. He goes, he goes, yeah, yeah, we can do that. He goes, so wait, you left TMZ? And I go, yeah, yeah, I left TMZ. He goes, you started your own website? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, what do you think about that? And he starts asking me these questions. And I'm answering them. And I'm realizing that he's like pre-interviewing me for his show to see if I'd be interesting. So I'm trying to give my best. Most, oh, I'm, try, wow, I'm yeah. trying to give the most interesting answers possible to try and sound interesting. And <laughs> the convo ends. He goes, well, well shit, like. You want to come down to the Broken School Ranch and we'll we'll shoot the shit and like talk about you leaving TMZ and talk about your new website and we'll talk about making a murderer and I'm like yeah absolutely yeah, like, yeah. and so I get to go there and I wow. li- I only ha- I literally only had one thing on my bucket list like I don't I never had a bucket list I had one thing it was a one item list and it was drink beer with Stone Cold Steve Austin because wow. I grew up an Attitude Era kid and so I said yeah like, yeah please yeah that'd be great. So I go there and I got to be on his podcast That's amazing. and yeah. my traffic like shot up because people were like, Oh, the TMZ guy, like we talked, people didn't know yeah. that I had done other things for the site. So it was really like, Oh, he did all that. And now he has a wrestling site. Cool. Yeah. We're going to follow it. And like everything shot up that day. And ever since then, like it's been great. So stone cold is like, wow. he helped me out more than I could ever 
say. Well, you got to get them on my show now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Awesome. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll text them. <laughs> I want to thank you for your time. Uh, it's been so great talking to you. Uh, I, I love how... I love how interested in news you are. Thank you. And I think that that makes your coverage of things that much more interesting. And I hope that people listening and watching this, you know, can take that away from it as well. I hope so, man. I really, I sometimes get a bad rap on, uh, on Twitter. So I hope that people you do. Will, yeah. I, so I hope that, uh, I hope that some people who dislike me will maybe watch this and get a different side of me. Hopefully they probably won't. They'll probably still. No, but what's not to like? You heard it here. You heard it here first. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, dude. All right. <laughs>Well, there you have it, my friend. What an interesting guy. What an interesting conversation. And thank you for listening all the way until the end. Let me know what you thought of this one. I've, I've interviewed a few different internet people, YouTubers, podcasters. I had Alicia Tude on. I had JD from New York on. And now we've had Ryan Satin on. Oh, we also had Simon Miller. Simon Miller. That wasn't very good. But that's kind of how he talks. Uh, and you guys always seem to enjoy these conversations. So I'm going to keep them coming. Let me know who, who the next one should be with. Who your favorite podcaster, YouTuber, wrestling journalist is. I've got a lot of requests for Solid Monster. Don't worry, Jason is going to be on the show soon. I don't know when, maybe WrestleMania week. I think we're both there at the same time, but Solomonster for sure. So you can recommend him if you want. You can tweet him at me and say, yeah, you should do an interview with Solomonster. You're right. I should. And I will. Um, but let me know who else you want to have on the show. And if you listen to my last episode, the interview with Nick Aldis, you'll know that I did seven interviews in Atlanta when I was in town for NWA, seven interviews. This was obviously not one of them. We talked a lot about Los Angeles here. So this one was done two weeks ago when I flew out to Los Angeles and did the interview with Lillian Garcia, did the interview with Alex Riley, and also did this interview with Ryan Satin. So I'm just pumping out these interviews. Man, there's been so many, like seven interviews in Atlanta, three interviews in Los Angeles. Uh, I was in Vegas before that where I did two interviews. Man, just pumping these out. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any of those interviews. Man, I got really excited there for a second. Wow. Brendan Burchard says, if you leave your growth to happenstance, then you'll always be chained to mediocrity. I'll say that one more time. If you leave your growth to happenstance, then you'll always be chained to mediocrity. I say it all the time. Set those goals. Vague goals get vague results. Specific goals get specific results. Because if you don't have those goals, you're leaving it to happenstance. Chew on that, and I will see you next week with, man, a plethora of interviews.